Do you want to do the intro? <laughs> you want you still want to do the intro? <laughs> Hello. I'll I'll, ta I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Daniel Moore, and this is the Pathway to Happiness podcast with Gary Van Warmendam, who's actually the host. And today we're going to talk about. This is where you start. Mm, well, truth, awareness, beliefs, and illusions. And suffering, how beliefs create suffering, and why maybe if you want to get out of suffering, become happy, or or change your life for the better, you've got to pay attention and understand beliefs. Hey, truth, awareness, beliefs, illusions, suffering, and that's all going to happen in forty-five minutes an hour. Yeah, oh, of course. So listen, listen up, folks. You can have the answers to life. But what is time, right? all right so this is the awareness and consciousness podcast from pathway to happiness.com thank you i'm gary van warmerdam um what i want to talk about is this this conundrum with this piece that i think is vital about inner work And understand what belief systems are, why they're important to be aware of, why that's to me the one of the intricate components as to why we suffer. And by changing those, it's we can be happy. And my mentor Miguel, I think it's one of the lines in his book, The Four Agreements. So everything is made by agreement. And if you start to see it, you see it's everywhere. And I talked about this in Teotihuacan Power Journey last night. All sorts of things are just made up. And including you know, what we believe about ourselves. I'm not good enough. Our anxiety is based in beliefs, perceptions. We're attached to thoughts of I should do this. I'm not doing that. I'm failing. I'm not what I'm supposed to be. I'm better than them. It's all stories. And those stories have power because we believe them. But it's, it's, it's our power. And I think the first distinction to make is to separate. Well, you, ideally, to get to a place of awareness, the journey is to that freedom that happiness is found in the awareness of the story, awareness of it as a story is not being true, and an awareness that that story is not reality, is not truth. And so you have, you end up with an awareness of, kind of seeing life as it is, something is there, and there's a story about it that's not true and you're in a perception of awareness of both so we really are tangled in suffering if we're in our story particularly say about ourselves oh i should be doing this i'm not getting enough done today we're stressed out the story is about ourselves 
we believe the story is the truth about ourselves. And we have, A, we have no separation for the story, and we have no separation between the story and a sense of ourself free of that story that's a real self. So that's the, I just, I just want to separate those out today. Between your sense of yourself as awareness, perception, seeing the story, which is usually in the beliefs when it's really sticky. And that's not reality, which can be an uncomfortable journey because the, when you see that what you believe is not true, can be a bit unsettling. And exciting, sometimes. And a relief. And a relief. So. So what does that look like in our life? Which which part? Seeing the difference between our stories and reality. Well, let's let's talk about how they blend and how they've merged in our use of language. Okay, there's a, there's a common phrase that says the map is not the territory, but I want to I want to deep dive on that to make it more meaningful. The map is our belief system. It's our mental model that describes the world or describes ourselves, usually based in language. Sometimes our perception can just be feelings, but we'll see how language is intertwined with feelings. And the territory is reality, life. And we have a belief about life and most of the time people assume that they're life is the way they believe it is but it's it's not at all um, so but we we get hypnotized say as something as simple as you know we say you know I was watching the sunset last night or saw the sun sunrise this morning we very commonly describe things that way sunrise sunset as if the sun is moving Common it's language, not. narrative, we're in the relative scale. You know, the and and that's the description of words we use, the way we structure language, the way we commonly refer to things. And therefore we think in those terms, we perceive in those terms of we're standing still and the sun is rising and setting across the sky. Now this this is completely fine until you build a spaceship and you try and go to Mars. Okay. Or you try and make sense of what planets are moving in the sky and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So for us day to day, it's not an issue, but I just want to use it as a point to see like how commonly we lie to ourselves and get away with it. <laughs> you say things that aren't true. It works up until a certain point. You know, 
for for me, I had stories about myself. I felt pretty confident about myself. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I can figure things out. I can do things on my own. Until I couldn't. I was also in relationships and doing drama and insecure and afraid. Uh, I closed off emotionally. But I was in the narrative. Oh, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'll figure things out. Everything will be fine. And I was in, not noticing that all this other stuff was going on and I wasn't honest about it. Because I was in this kind of idea of myself. And was essentially dishonest. It was a lie. You know, so it really broke apart in my relationships. I was miserable. I was ignorant. I was naive. I was a lot of things. And I needed help. I couldn't figure it out on my own. So all the narrative belief I had was I was smart. I was intelligent. I'll figure it out on my own. I can do this by myself. Kept me stuck and trapped. It was beautiful that I could feel that confident and self-important until it didn't work anymore. You know, then I'm I'm trying to solve my relationship issues, but with a with a belief system that doesn't work. So, so that's where. I was lying to myself, but they were beautiful lies. It felt good to feel important and smart and smarter than everybody else. Until I was miserable. Would you give one example of how that looked like? Like, okay, you were, you had all these ideas about yourself. Could you give like one example from an experience you've had? Where that illusion broke or how that illusion maintained itself, which wasn't real. Um, an example of an illusion I had about myself. I'm trying to think what's helpful. I mean, at a certain point, I was an incredible sense of self-importance and a know-it-all. Um, and I thought, I, I, I had gotten a certain degree of clarity about beliefs and illusions and fears, and I could just see it happening everywhere with people. And I'd see what they would say, and I took it upon myself, thinking it would be helpful to point it out to them. God. It was terrible. Oh my god. It was, it was terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> and and I had no idea how annoying I was. Right? I thought in my little story I was being helpful. Um <laughs> Hey John, that's not true what you're saying. Let me correct that for you. <laughs> something to that effect yeah or pointing out people's fears pointing out their self-judgments why are you doing that that's totally not true you know it's like just bringing light to people's stories totally uninvited um and and with no compassion and i i kind of had no 
sense of the impact was or might be oh yeah it was it was horrific it was horrific um and i want to send if there was a guy frank who i met in teotihuacan who i particularly picked on in uh on that trip and so frank if you're out there if you ever hear this i'm sorry i was a complete self-important jerk so <laughs> There you go, Frank. You can email Gary at pathwaytohappiness.com. So, and a number of other people, but I don't know. For that trip, I, I particularly picked on Frank. Um, <laughs> and and because I, I had gotten to a degree of kind of not believing what people thought about me, their judgments of me and didn't care what people thought about me. They didn't have fear of what people thought about me. It was like I had this immunity to uh, say anything I wanted without caring what their reaction was. So, yeah, really a bad recipe, bad formula. <laughs> That's a dangerous Ali formula. Alienate people and just... How many friends did you lose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I had any at the time. <laughs> oh. That explains it. <laughs> okay, so you thought you knew it all and you would point it out. That was an <sighs> illusion. Yeah, the more I knew okay. and the more I could see. You know, I'd gotten to this degree level of clarity and lack of fear, but it was, it was, which was a great progression to be kind of free of these fear of what people think and lots of fear and, and freedom, but it was, I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't have um, compassion. I didn't have empathy. I didn't have an understanding of what was going on in their world and how all of that would be experienced. So I lacked a lot of awareness and humility. So that that lesson was coming. That lesson came, you know, a few months later. It hit me. Um, so so even it was the illusion you believed it at the time. What's that? That then so you're talking about illusions versus reality. Yes. Yes. What's the illusions you believe? Because there's some illusion you believed at a time that broke later. Yeah. Oh, I had I had uh, lots of beliefs of not being good enough and that I didn't even know of. Uh, needing to be perfect, needing to be right. Had a big agenda trying to impress people, trying to sound articulate so that they would like me, so they would respect me. Because underneath all that was this feeling, belief, I'm not lovable. You know, nobody will like me the way I am. So let me try to do something that will get you to like me, get you to love me. And so this great need to please people, impress people, do something of value and get respect. was like I was just driven by that and not knowing that that's what was driving it was this feeling of not being lovable. And the feeling is not being level was based in a belief, an idea of myself. This is this thing that I am that's not lovable. 
that I'd kind of merged with and said, that's me. And then I buried okay. it up, buried it because it's too painful to feel and said, I got to go prove myself and get attention and get, you know, respect and love and acceptance. So I was so busy doing that, you know, not realizing when it was driven by this pain that was based in a lie. Okay. These are the issues. I'm not good enough and I'm that person that's not good enough. Right. And then also some illusion, I need to prove myself. And if I point out these things, that's quite an illusion, then I would be, I would prove myself in some way. Well, no, that, all the that, but, oh, that's that a point, pointing, pointing out that was a, that was a messed up belief system I created after I let go of this one. Oh, okay. For that was connected. Yeah. No, not connected. No, no. Okay. Okay. So. But I, I didn't have the awareness that my story, that the I'm not good enough version of me was a concept of me. It's an abstract concept of me. And the, the I version of me that would get that that I need to be and impress people with so they like me, accept me, love me, and respect me. That concept version of me is just that that wouldn't be me either. And what I came to understand was, gosh, even if I did all these things, acted this way to get impressed, liked, accepted, and loved, I would be acting and they would be impressed and respect and like and love the actor that I'm pretending to be. And I would still be with this I'm not lovable version inside <laughs> and hence feeling like a fraud. Like, well, they they like this concept I'm projecting, but that's, they love and respect the concept of me, but that's not me. So that would feel more like a fraud. And the the I'm not lovable version is not getting loved. It's still feeling the same way underneath. So that's not resolved. And me as awareness and presence is still not being experienced because I'm hypnotized into being these two versions that are false. So that was the level of illusion I was in. And my remedy to get out was set up not to work be impressive enough that they love, like, and respect me. But that was only going to lead to the projected image, getting love, like, and respected, not resolving the I'm not lovable, good enough image, and not really being in my own presence and awareness. Yeah. That's really positive that they wouldn't love the real you. Because I, I think so many people, we get conditions to be someone else, behave like someone else, try to fit some mold. But then even if we receive love, we don't feel the love. No, no, we don't receive they love. they don't feel that they love who we are. We don't feel love because we're still holding this self-concept, the self-belief that we're, and we're, that we're this character in a story I'm not good enough. I mean, I might as well, have been, to make this clearer, because people feel like, well, I am not good enough, and they're really kind of merged with that identity. And it's equivalent to being hypnotized as a chicken and saying I'm a chicken. 
I'm this thing that I'm clearly not when you move into awareness. When you're aware, you're like, that's clearly an idea that I'm not. It's and it's just an idea. It's it's a conglomeration of idea, emotion, energy, faith in the belief of it being true, merged and and some of our consciousness merged in there together. If we go back yeah. to the, the conversation we had earlier about divided will and divided consciousness. Yeah. Can we slow that down? I think it's valuable what you say, because so many people believe they're not good enough. I mean, I hear that from people all the time. Any kind of self-judgment It's them. So I imagine being told it's not you. Can we slow down? Okay, let's say somebody is listening, they believe they're not good enough. Why is that not them? Like, how how could you explain that? This is this is the challenge that I'm always like, how do I make this clear so somebody um imagine imagine there's an actor and the actor goes on stage and he does this method acting and he embodies the character and he becomes the character on stage or she becomes the character on stage. And to be a good actor, you really embody the feeling, the perception, the identity of that character. And then to believe, make believe I am that person and act as that person. And then so you have actors. those you have those actors that like even like in between takes, they stay in character. Nah. Right? <laughs> you go up nah. to them, just like you you have to talk to them as if they're in character because that's they're they're staying in it. Right? Well, we've learned to play our roles of who we should be and who we shouldn't be and what we believe about ourselves. Think about when we started pretending or taking on an idea of ourselves and thinking that's what we are. And then we stay in the role, not because we choose to, because we're, but because we, we forget we can be something else. So we've unconsciously assumed a role. I'm not good enough are in it and have forgotten how to step out. We're playing it as a role. Yeah. Let me and, and that and that one belief may be one of about a hundred. I'm not good enough. I need to do this to be good enough. I need to do this for this person so they like me, but I need to be this way for this person so they like me. And I have to do something really impressive with my and so we build all these beliefs about the solution. And it just those beliefs are alive and they they grow and create you know, derivative beliefs and derivative thoughts and stories and experiences. So there's not just one, there's many. I had beliefs that I was good enough and brilliant and smart and smarter than other people. And I had beliefs that I was ignorant and stupid and I couldn't figure things out all at the same time. Yeah, that would be active at, that would be active at different times. And but when you put at them side by side, you're like, okay, now now something's doesn't add up. How could I be this in this moment and that in that moment? Something's not adding up. Mm, yeah. It reminds me, I remember I had a friend in high school who was not the best student at all. And then he changed. Like one year, he just changed. He became this excellent student. And I asked him, and by the time I was interested in psychology, but I was asking what changed. And he literally told me, I decided to believe, I think that's brilliant, that I'm smart. And then act like I'm smart. I think that's so brilliant. Mm -hmm. 
because he became that way. Mm-hmm. Something unlocked in him and he started acting that way. Because mm-hmm. he had that capacity. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have the belief that he's not smart, still somewhere underneath. But now at least he has both. Now now he has the option. And he's he's learned something. Is like, okay, I'm playing a game of make-believe. And he's learning consciously to play the game. Yeah. Okay, and that's a, that's a whole different level, a couple levels up on the game board of life. Like, we're, we're all playing make-believe to some degree. And and actually, we are we're all playing make believe. Some we're all playing make believe. Some, some are doing it with awareness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're making play make believe right now yeah. in yeah. this podcast. So, <laughs> can I maybe add something on on that on the acting thing? Yeah. Because I think I think it helps to see where it started to understand that it's acting. Mm-hmm. Let's say we take a child. Let's say. She feels she's loved. She doesn't even have the idea if she's good enough or not. She feels she's loved. And then this is really common. Let's say her parents divorce or they have a fight and she feels really painful and it's not in her control and she feels the pain and she doesn't feel she can do anything with the pain. Then because it's hard to be with a pain she can't handle and she will say, it's because of me. And then she would say, because of me, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm the reason they're splitting. Yes. And now she made that up to compensate for the pain. But now let's, she's playing that role. She's now, she decided it's because of me. And mm-hmm. now she's this girl that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Now let's take it's five, 10 years, 20 years later, she can still be playing that role. <laughs> of, I'm, yes. not, I'm this person who's not good enough because yeah. I learned that when my parents divorced. I'm still acting that way. Yeah, they're fighting because of me. I'm the problem. I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Yes. And once we make that agreement, we go on about our day and we go to sleep and we wake up in the morning and that agreement has been fused now in our psyche and our being in our energetic body it's like it's like if we think about like people who hold a grudge that's a lot of energy that's a lot of emotion it happens in this maybe bit of anger rage like i'm gonna be mad at you forever right and then we take all that rage and we fuse it with, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to feel this way about you forever. And then we take all that energy and that identity of we are the person that will feel this way. About And then we put it inside of us. Right? And we hold it. That's how we hold a grudge. So it's right? like, I'm going to act angry. I'm going to act angry towards you. this person whenever I see him, whenever I think about him. <laughs> I'm going to carry it around with me, uh, thinking about them all the time, <laughs> you know, and then maybe we get busy with our life, but our that anger is still inside in our subconscious comes out in other ways. It's ready to jump out at other people because now we're mad at other people or or we start acting it out with other people. But so this girl in this state of fear, mom and dad are 
arguing. It's very scary. It feels unstable, unsafe. She's trying to make sense of what's happening. Why are they fighting? Why don't they stop? Something's wrong. And it starts to go through trying to make sense of what's happening here. Because that's what our mind, our mind tries to make sense of what's happening. Comes up with a story. Oh, they're fighting. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And, and mom's perfect and dad is perfect. So they couldn't possibly be. We don't question them. Wrong with them. Something's wrong. Must be me. I did something. Because we've been blamed or punished for doing something wrong before. And that's upset mom or that's upset dad. And we remember like, oh, that's what set upsets them. So we make up this make-believe. You know, I'm the problem. We take all that energy of fear of this catastrophic fight that feels scary, unsafe. We go, I'm the problem. Something's wrong with me. Boom. And we fuse that. And it's not a grudge this time. It's, a, it's an identity. I'm why mom and dad are fighting. Something's wrong with me, which is like, I'm a terrible person. Something's wrong with me. I'm causing this. I'm, I'm bad. going to act like that. I'm bad. And I'm afraid. And we take that same energy that we put, I put in a grudge of being angry about, and we fuse it into, but this time it's like a belief about ourselves. And then she falls asleep that night. She forgets about it, but it's still there, residing in the subconscious. And it starts playing out over time in her interactions and who she believes she is, what she's capable of, how she feels about herself. And it's, it's the self-hypnosis that is and why Miguel, you know, said we we make agreements. This is why his four agreements book is about uh making those four agreements are agreements you make with yourself that will kind of help you challenge these other ones you've developed and fused into yourself in your life. Like here's here's a here's some tools to help you find them and break them to get your life back from this unconscious belief. He has a new book, The Actor, exactly on that. Yeah. Um, I think it's very deep because basically, well, something to the audience, I think. What if you consider that your reactions, the things you do that trouble you or that your mind does that trouble you or your automatic reactions are an act that you got really good in playing? And what if you were to see it that way and approach it that way? Where you go, I don't have anger issues. I act, I'm really good at acting angry. And I embody the role as a brilliant actor. Yeah. Any Anything, <laughs> I'm willing to offer up anything that will give a person an awareness and that shift in language isn't is is a use it as a tool because it gives someone a gap just to change the language because what we're doing is we're saying we're we're giving the language that then gives a person to have awareness like oh this role i play with anger i'm embodying the concept of that person that's my concept self acting self playing the program role and that so, so shifting the language that way, and this is why language is critical about being impeccable with your language. 
so that now you can be in awareness and see that aspect of yourself playing out from that agreement and go, oh, that's the role I'm playing in this situation that I drop into automatically. Okay. And now your sense of identity has moved out of that hypnotized character that is just a, a an abstraction, made-up story version of yourself. And so and this is where you have to be in awareness that that self is not my true self. And I can sit here, be present, be in awareness of that aspect. That is a, could be a powerful force, can be full of anger, it can be full of shame, can be a powerful force of emotion and still not be you, even though everything in it is saying, no, that's me and I feel this way. That character is alive saying that. I got really good in acting. That act now is so good that it's alive on its own. And and it's doing its thing. And I'm really good in acting this way. Yeah. But if I believe I'm not good enough, I'm really good at, at acting like I'm a person who's not good enough. I imagine that really changes the relationship. If you say, instead of I believe I'm not good enough, or I'm really good at acting like a person who's not good enough. It's so good. <laughs> My mind already says that that's what I am because I acted it so good. If you think <laughs> about if you think about actors when they when they're doing improv or they they're improvising the scene, okay, we're going to leave the script. They're in the role and they're acting as that character, and they automatically play and say other lines and do other things that are embodied from that character. But we did this. We were, we did this. You think about little kids are playing all the time. We play dress up and princess and cowboys and Indians or all sorts of games where we pretend as kids. So we are masters at playing pretend. And so we can drop into, if we tell ourselves we're not good enough, we can do it 100% and it will feel absolutely real. Except this time we're doing it without awareness. Uh, that it's a pretend role, that it's a made-up role for that moment. You know, so so if you think, like, we're much better at slipping in and out of these made-up roles as children, but as adults, you know, I can, I went to college and I studied engineering. I go, oh, I'm an engineer. And I could tell myself a thousand times, oh, I'm studying engineering. I'm an engineer. And then, you know, I went into the Navy. I'm an officer. And people treated me as an officer. And I and I dressed up in the costume. I mean, the uniform. Okay, costume, uniform. And I saluted, right? You know, and I learned how to do those things. And I played up where everybody believes that they're in the military. And we had all the things to do a military does. But I don't believe that's who I am anymore. So the hypnosis of that, I mean, the belief system of that, I mean, becoming that, I mean, which version do we use, right? Mm -hmm. I did over years. Uh, but I had to, I had to believe, so I had to believe it. So there's an interesting thing. 
A, in reality, I was a naval officer. But B, I also had to put on the belief system that that's what I am. We have to see those as two separate things. Your job, okay, and then what uh -huh. you are. That believing that's what you are, instead of this is my job. Like this, I, because this is who I am. I believe the identity, that's what I am. This is what I do, and that's what I am. Okay. So you identify and, with your act. And I actually did it. And, and so the story I told myself about doing it is separate from doing it, okay? If, if I had a lot of awareness, I could go in and say, well, it's time to go, well, which is what I did later when I went to my, I was working in a company, a sales job. It's like, okay, I'm going to go into the office and I'm going to play the role of the salesperson in, in business. I knew I was doing that and I dressed the part and I acted the part, right? That's conscious acting. You don't I was identify conscious. with it. You don't take it seriously. It is, you know you're, that's what you're doing and you're going to do that's your what best. I was doing. And, and I was absolutely doing my best, okay? And I knew that it was a made-up role when I was doing it. I didn't know I was a made-up role of make-believe when I was a naval officer. Okay? So I was doing it. I put on the belief system of corporate salesperson, corporate manager, did the job, and those were separate things. Then I went and did the job. And this is this is an important distinction to make. Uh the belief system that I am that person. You can, as separate from the person that goes and does that, you know, it's like for the person, person that says, you know, the conversation is, well, hello, and, you know, what do you do? People ask, what do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a computer program. Like I am. That's their identity. And I was thinking about I work this. As. Mm, more clear. I work as, that's not what I am. I work as a computer program. Now we see what we do without the belief system. That's what we are. Okay. I imagine the problem became probably, let's say, with what you say, I am an officer and you believe that. Now, let's say, instead of that's your job, now let's say something is not working well. Now it's personal, <laughs> you know. Like something's not working well in the job, or you made a mistake. Now it's about your self worth. Oh, my whole life. Now you need to defend yourself. Now you need, instead of if it's your job, it's like, oh, that didn't work well. You know, I'm going to improve it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to learn. Yeah. I now was it thinking. becomes an issue. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Because now my, my sense of self has to be, uh, is wrapped up in that, in that officer or computer program version and i was thinking that somebody asked me now what would you say i do i think well i think about what do i do the most that i like really attached to i breathe <laughs> so if you would have asked me this morning somebody asked me this morning because i was thinking about this i'm like gary what do you do you know somebody asked me as if it's my job i wouldn't i wouldn't say personal coach or teacher or anything no i say i breathe that's what i do <laughs> 
That fits you. That's such a troll answer, but it's also the most truthful one. <laughs> it's what I do more than anything else. I'm more attached to it than anything else. Appreciate it more than anything else. What do you do for a living? Well, I breathe, I eat, and I drink water, and I sleep. That's what I do for a living. That's how I live. <laughs> it's literally what I do to live. <laughs> so so there's a but this is this is about having the the belief system awareness of the belief system and the story separate from the reality right and this is this kind of agreement i the, i i Fundamentally teach it uh, like make in the self mastery course and the, the recapitulation process is all about going to finding all these agreements we've made in our history, looking at them and seeing them as not true, getting your sense of identity reestablished in something that's authentic and genuine and not in these agreements you've made in the past about what you were, what you're capable of, and the shame you feel of being good enough and not good enough. Like, no, let's put all of that on the table shine light on it get our power back from it because it's debilitating oh. <clears throat> but it's those agreements as a belief throughout I mean we've structured society on it and I think it's critical to see the story belief separate from what it actually is give you the example because like we have to see ourselves become aware of ourselves and this is what you know the meditation the energy work the any of these practices your breathing sense of self presence you become aware of yourself as a being living energy aliveness separate from any story separate from any thought And then, you know, some emotional reaction happens and you slip back into the identity of I'm not good enough or they're wrong or an angry grudge, right? And you come back to your meditation, you step out. <clears throat> or you come back to your breathing, your sense of self, like when you let go of these identities enough, the false agreements identities, yeah, it becomes like, what what am I as this presence, as this force of life that becomes fascinating? You said it early on, like we're, we're the most fascinating mystery. Exploration. <clears throat> so, um, but these beliefs are everywhere and we're hypnotized in the language of them. We're, if you be, I, I want to, this podcast to be able, what's this awareness of the beliefs so it's like we use it all the time money <clears throat> i use the example of money you know it's like why why does these pieces of paper with dead people's pictures on it why does it have value what's value <clears throat> is this value 
So I could say, yes, it's worth $1. I could buy a gum with it. But that's but that's not what you're pointing to. No, it's like... That, that's look how at, we commonly think. That's how we think. Yes, that has value. That's $10. That's pesos. That's you know euros and francs. and Right? And yeah, that has value. That's money. That's the language that's automatic because we're so used to acting everybody our whole life that's money that has value and so we're like go okay we'll go along with it <laughs> it's like we'd go crazy if we didn't hmm. and yet if i'd shown up with new paper with pictures and said well let's use this people would say i was crazy but no that one's established we use that one but why that one because people a ways back got together, made an agreement, this will be money, this will have value, this is what we used to trade, and they were an authority and everybody agreed. And they put their faith in it and they accept this belief system. Incredibly useful and helpful until you find out that this <clears throat> make-believe system may not work. And you find this in countries with high inflation are aware that their currency doesn't hold value. You know, if your country is Turkey or Egypt or uh, Venezuela, Argentina, you know, 40% inflation, 50% inflation. They're aware that the paper doesn't have value. It'll have less value next week and less value the week after that. <clears throat> and in a year, it'll have half the value. So they don't see the paper money as having value in those countries. And I think we've seen recently inflation here. We see this belief system of money separate from actual value. Why Why are prices, you know, go buy, buy a carton of eggs? I'm like, <clears throat> it's twice as much. There's like, does does a dozen eggs have twice as much value now? No. What's happened is, and, and this is the word inflation, we think prices have inflated. Prices have inflated, but is that because these things have twice as much value? No. So let's separate this idea of price as a belief system from value. And currency... Is this $10 here worth the same now than it was three years ago? We could say it buys half as much. Now, does it buy half as much because a carton of eggs has twice as much value or the currency is half? See, most people think in terms of inflation that the price of a dollar, a price of a currency is fixed. A dollar is like a fixed amount. We just accept. And, but if we, what if we say the currency has lost half its value? Or some amount of value. And that's a very different way of currency is depreciated as much as prices have inflated. 
that's why there's this disconnect of, and I'm not doing this justice clearly, but there's a disconnect between the value of things and how we thought of currency as fixed when it's actually currency as a belief system. Money is a representation, a story of value, and the value of money has changed. Value of dollars changed. If I reflect that, I think I understand is like, like what it's the same, let's say $10, but what it's believed it can buy. Now, let's say the belief of what $10 can buy changed and it's reflected in, in how much you can buy in $10. Mm-hmm. Like I think. And, and, and go ahead. I think in, in Israel, let's say, you know, people, let's say a, a falafel used to, commonly like 10 years ago, it would cost you three, four, let's do it in dollars, three, four dollars. That would be normal price, right? If you, somebody would have said eight dollars for a falafel, you say you're crazy. What, what's that? That's crazy expensive. But these days, it's only been 10 years, eight dollars is where, where people will sell it at. So it's the same product. And therefore the same value. Same value but the belief about what eight dollars what um four dollars could buy now the belief is it can't buy you a falafel for some mm-hmm. reason mm-hmm. something changed yeah and here's here's what we need to separate uh there's a good description by lynn alden she's like money is an abstraction of value money is a story and uh the that we use to describe value, right? Uh, Abstraction of value. Well, that abstraction is changeable. It's made up by belief that these printed pieces of paper will get you this. And I mean, Fundamentally, one of the things that happened in COVID is governments printed a lot of extra money, a lot more money, spread it around in the economy. And so when you do that, you devalue a currency. And the devaluation of the currency makes it look differently. It We treat it differently. Okay? Uh, I think you treat $20 different than 20 pesos. For example, yeah. Well, and for the guy who 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 is hungry and says, "I want to buy a carton of eggs," like that eggs has a lot of value if they haven't eaten in three days, right? That's life. But if you're got a truckload of eggs and you got to sell them, you're like, "Well, I'll give some away. I got a truckload. I got plenty. They don't have much value." So what the government's done is printed a lot of money, changed the landscape of what the the abstracted currency is what the agreed currency is and said now we're going to operate this so so there's three things happening here there's a things have value we pay for them with money there's b this abstracted currency which we use to pay for things it's abstracted money of abstracted value dollars, pesos, euros. And then there's our belief. What has value? Is it worth it? 
what has happened to the currency? Has it lost its value? Or does it have the same value when prices have increased? You know, and most people uh, like whole have are holding, oh, my currency has the same value, but prices have increased. Other people look at it and go, no, value is the same. My currency has lost uh, its power. It's half its power. Things are of the same value. My currency is half value. What are you Different to? stories of the same reality, the same thing. Yeah. Different stories about it. Right. So, so some people will look at inflation and say, my dollar is still $1, but prices have doubled. Some people will look at it and say, well, no, inflation means value of the falafel and the eggs is kind of the same, but my dollar only buys half as much because it's devalued. So one, you're holding the, the, the dollar or the currency constant and things change in price. The other one you go, no, dollars change in value. Do you see how you have to, there, there are different ways of looking at money. And if you can change your belief system, you can look at money entirely differently and see how it's printed, loses value, deflates, as opposed to holding it, well, a dollar is a dollar, it's a fixed amount. That's that's a false belief. And when, when you start living in a country where the inflation is an issue or inflation is an issue for you, assuming your currency has fixed value is, is doesn't work anymore. And you have to say, no, my currency doesn't hold value. I have to, uh, it doesn't work anymore. I have to do something different with my currency or how I save or what I invest in. Um, much, much, yeah. <clears throat> so we've built not just beliefs about ourselves, that are made up make-believe we've put in by agreement collectively belief systems and built economic systems on top of it we built political systems on top of belief systems democracy is a belief system fundamentally it's built on these beliefs and these principles that people believe in the authoritarianism okay if you want to understand how politics works, how an economy works, how money works, all of those things are built on agreement of beliefs. So if you don't understand belief systems, you don't understand economy. You don't understand currency. <laughs> Economics is a belief system. Political systems are belief systems. People's self-value of themselves and their story about it is a belief system. And if you want to understand any of those things, it's all based in belief. Well, what is a belief? You want to understand how the world works, you need to understand belief systems. Otherwise, you'd end up believing it's all true and just the way it is. Right. And when things, yeah, and that's your mental model of the world. And you think because you see that map, you know the territory. Well, if things change in the world and the current system isn't working, you won't notice until catastrophe hits or 
uh, you you run into some real big disillusionment. Reality shows up really? and shows you. It's like, wow, no, that was make believe. Same as my story that I thought I knew it all was make believe, and my story that I wasn't good enough was make believe. That wasn't true oh, either. Nice. Yeah, the fact that I had to go be this successful thing to get liked and respected and love that was make that that worked for a while until I was exhausted and burned out. And then I was like, God, I'm working in a system that doesn't, this thing getting me what I want. What's wrong? You know, and I pointed out, oh, they didn't appreciate me. They didn't like me. They didn't love me. You know, and I was like, no, I'm trying to get my feelings and self-love met through this mechanism of getting them to like this projected image of me. Like, that's not going to work when I really look at it. Mm. Okay. So not only did I have to I, I think with a, with myself, like, okay, take care of myself. I had to fix and change my belief systems about myself. I had to do something different with myself in reality, but I also had to change my belief system. I think the problems we see in the world is, not only do we have problems in the world, say, financially, but we have to look at what's the belief systems that created those problems. Look at, we have, we have issues politically in the world, but what's the belief systems that built those political systems, those political parties, those policies, and say, oh, well, let's look at that and change that too. Let's see what's true, what's the lie. Right. Because if you go around and you say, well, we're going to change the political system, but you leave the belief systems in place, you'll go build that that is a make-believe, non-working system. You go build a false system again and not know it. Okay, capitalism has problems, but capitalism isn't just a system. There's a belief system behind capitalism that also needs to be corrected and dissolved of things that aren't working that are lies. Okay, so problem solving with yourself, with the world is not just the, the structure of it, but the beliefs that made that structure what it was. Makes me think about, let's take a, a grounded example. Somebody has relationship issues. I, I see that all the time, let's say with people I work with, there's a relationship issue. And the impulse usually is to fix it on the surface level. So I'm getting, let's say one partner gets angry a lot. They just, okay, now I'm gonna, not going to be angry. Now we're going to talk about it. You know, now I'm not going to be angry anymore. And how much does that last? And if it lasts, is it the anger just repressed now? You know, versus I'm feeling, I'm getting angry a lot. Let me see why is that. Let me see what's going on for me that I'm feeling angry. And not why, because you're behaving this way. No, but why when, let's say, she does that or he does this, why I feel this way? And what am I believing is happening? And if I change that, now I don't need to try and create a new behavior. I changed my beliefs about it. I'm just going to behave differently. Rather than a surface level solution, I'm just going to behave differently. Yeah, you're going to the source of the actual problems instead of 
putting on a cover-up solution. Yeah. Yeah. It's much deeper. Or I'm procrastinating. You know, I hear I'm procrastinating. You know, I worked with a client, she's procrastinating. And, and usually people, I'm procrast okay, I'm going to read about a system that helps me not procrastinate. And now I'm not going to procrastinate anymore. <laughs> how often does that really work? And how and if it works, how long really does it work for? No. Versus I'm procrastinating. Let me see what's happening for me when I need to do something. Then why am I not doing it? What what's, what are my beliefs about it? What do I feel? Where is that coming from? What is the source of the problem instead of, oh, I'll just try this solution? Because, yeah, because yeah, if I change that, now I, I'm just not going to need to procrastinate because there's no issue. I don't need the system. I don't need the technique. I just don't need it because I resolved the core issue. Yeah. So you're pointing it globally. I just wanted to bring it down like personal level. It's all the same. And here's here's something to consider, because most most all of our suffering is because we believe stuff about ourselves that's not true. We just believe things that aren't true. The drama we're living is because we're we're mired in these false beliefs, often so much so that our identity about who we are, what we are, is is distorted. I'm not good enough, not lovable, or better than them or smarter than them and they don't appreciate me and you know, we suffer in that i i i me 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 that's a made up it's a made up me it's a made up i um so consider this as an option instead of instead of becoming this ideal person you want to be when this is for people to consider what if you were able to change everything or anything you believe about yourself what if you could change the beliefs of the thoughts and the beliefs about the create the feelings you didn't change at all but everything you believed about yourself was what you wanted and not in a not in an airy fairy way oh i'm of a million dollars and i'm rich and i'm you know not make-believe but any of those beliefs that make you suffer, make you unhappy, any of the stories you tell were gone. What would that be like? Almost all your problems would go away. All the in the whole internal landscape would change. Go away. Still have to go take care of things in the world but maybe they wouldn't be problems and you wouldn't suffer about them. Take a little bit of that. Yeah. That's good. And where, where can they go to learn how to change their beliefs? Go to my website, pathwaytohappiness.com and check out the courses on the self-mastery course and the recapitulation course because the uh that's a the two processes to inventory those beliefs and identify them and change them and, and shift out of the identity that they hypnotize us into you know miguel miguel in the back of his book near the back 
I used to know the page number. He says, well, if you really want to be free and not take things personally and be free of judgments and fears, then you have to do two things. A, you have to grow your awareness. And B, inventory these agreements you made in the past, these beliefs, and dissolve them. So, and that's that's what my coursework has been about. So that's where to go. And this has been the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. On beliefs, why you might want to pay attention to them, get out of suffering, understand the world, and have a better understanding and agency to free yourself from the acting roles we've been in and the suffering we've been in. And be happy. Be happy. Well, you have to. You need to grab people's attention. Well, you have to, right? Grab Grab them at the anxiety level, you know, FOMO. <laughs> you have to, you know. <laughs> no. That's not what we do. No, it's not what we do. Invitation. The smart ones will figure it out.